Good evening. It's good to be here. Uh, tonight I'm going to speak to you about speaking in tongues. Uh, the next time I'm going to talk about prophecy, and then I'm going to, the third talk I give sometime before I go will be on discernment of spirits. Even though speaking in tongues is the least of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, anything that God wanted to give us is good, right? We want that. Even though St. Paul says, I wish you would prophesy, and I wish you would discern spirits, speaking in tongues is very important for what? For building up the church. Now you say, wow, how does that work? Well, there's a lot of people who think they know everything about speaking in tongues. There's 42 passages in the Bible about speaking in tongues, and some people know one or two lines and they think they know the whole story. I'm sure you've heard it already. If you haven't, you will hear it. So, like for myself, I pray in tongues when Janet, when we're praying our morning prayers and she's saying her prayers, that's a great time for me to pray in tongues. If somebody else is teaching and I want them to be filled with the Holy Spirit, that's a great time for me to personally just pray in tongues quietly. I'm not talking about raising the roof. I'm talking about just quietly pray in tongues. And when you go pray for the sick, uh, if you use the scriptural, uh, all the scriptures, praying in tongues and laying on of hands are normal Christian living. Jan and I right now are reading a book about the apostles and it quotes from Eusebius and St. Cyril and St. Jerome and I mean dozens of the patristic fathers. And so everything we're reading is not in the Bible, but it's in the Apocrypha. You know what that is? That are books that are not quite up to. And I wanna tell you about this one just before I get into this talk on tongues. Uh, St. Philip had a daughter, his oldest daughter, was known to be the head of a healing ministry. St. Philip's the one that got into the uh, wagon with the eunuch and then bilocated. Wow. I'm expecting great things here because God said so. So many of the people in the lives of the apostles were in healing ministries. That was the church. So there, there are three kinds of speaking in tongues and four reasons to speak in tongues. But before I even get into that, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a, a deepening, page 125. This is from Postinia. It's written by Catherine Doherty. Catherine Doherty is now dead. She was a Russian baroness and has quite an unusual life. But right now, to her credit, there are houses of prayer all over the world. They bring people in if you want to pray for two hours. They have trained people there. If you want to pray for a night, if you want to pray for three days, if you want to pray for a week, you would go to a Madonna house. And there, a trained person would pray with you or let you pray by yourself, would give you instructions. You know, a lot of Catholics, the only thing you know is, Hail Mary, glory be in our Father. 
They, you know, they, they haven't even began to use their mind to worship the Lord, the living God. Amen? So Catherine Doherty and her group is the ones that, and she, I don't know if she'll be up for canonization, but uh, I'll tell you what, her people are holy. I've met a number of them. So anyway, I want to broaden your mind on speaking in tongues. So, so this is what Catherine Doherty says. So speaking with tongues became for me on this Friday in my postenia a gift of love. She says, to each one of us, at all times, the gift of tongues is given. Now, did you hear that? To each one of us, at all times, the gift of tongue is given. We must never forget that it is also a gift of love. I realize, I'm skipping a little bit, I realize at that moment that the gift of tongues was really Jesus Christ himself for he is love. And when I speak of the gift of tongues, I speak of love, of Jesus, of his Father, and of his Holy Spirit. In a word, I speak of the Trinity. Now, the gift of tongues comes down from the word glossialia, which means babbling. And that's the way most people take it. That, that's, if you look it up in the dictionary, they talk about glossiata, that means babbling. But if you read the surrender prayer, the novena that John gave us, I think it was John Kiddo that had given us a surrender prayer at nine days, the greatest prayer we can do is surrender. Now think of that. So speaking in tongues is surrendering. That one little word, maybe you've got two little words, maybe you've got three little words. It's a language of love. Yes, I saw it and I understood it. Just thinking of it makes me praise the Trinity, especially the Father for so loving us as to send his Son who was love so that we might understand that the gift of tongues is the gift of love. Let us not be afraid to speak in our own language or in body language. I, I'm reading this because a lot of times at prayer meeting, you know, like I often joke about, I said, well, they think we're drunk anyway. But really, God wants us to worship him, mind, soul, and body. Uh, we've been raised in a culture where you kneel and you're quiet, and, and that's good but there's something else too, okay? Worship the Lord with your whole body. David danced before the Lord, amen? And God was pleased. The apostles had fire descend upon their heads. We today who want to speak in tongues must allow that fire to go through us and cleanse us and come forth from our mouths. Yes, that is what we must do. I also understood that the theme the Lord was giving me this day in Postenia was go speak 
with tongues. Hallelujah. So this postenia is a place of prayer. It's a place where you go away to prayer. And that's, that's all I'm going to read about uh, uh, Catherine Doherty. But I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, in the Life of the Spirit Seminar, you get a little quibbit. You get a little quibbits. Now we're going to deepen these talks. So anyway, this is from 1 Corinthians 14. Make love your aim. Earnestly desire spiritual gift. Make love your aim. Earnestly desire spiritual gifts. They are connected. We should expect Jesus to give gifts. We encourage people to cooperate with God by speaking out in faith and expecting God to give us gifts of praise. And, and people don't even think about if you've never praised, then that's a good gift to be asking for, the gift of praise. So you just go totally in ecstasy. We do not want to place limits on what God can do with our minds, our hearts, our voices. Mention praying in tongues as of many means. Uh, Merton said, praying in tongues as has many means to grow closer to Christ. Now, Merton was a Trappist who, uh, so here's a Trappist talking about praying in tongues, who sat quietly and could speak in tongues. What do you think God's trying to tell him? Merton says it's a way of growing closer to Christ. Do you want to grow closer to Christ? It is a common gift of prayer by which we can surrender our voice and thoughts to God. And Father Montague, who was the Pope's, uh, who was Pope John Paul's private preacher, describes as a spirit language that gives voice to our inner self before God. Tongues may not be of first importance when we consider charisms like healing, discernment, teaching, wisdom, encouragement, and hospitality, but it can be a gateway to the charismatic dimension of faith. That comes from the Catholic edition of the Life of the Spirit Seminole Manual. I want to read that again. Tongues may not be of first importance when we consider charisms like healing, discernment, teaching, wisdom, encouragement, and hospitality. And some people scoff at hospitality too. Hospitality is utterly important for a church and a prayer group. But it can be the gateway to the charismatic dimension. So there are three kinds of tongues. I told you I was going to tell three kinds of tongues, four ways. Prophecy in tongues, which needs interpretation. So a lot of times people that don't know much about the Bible, they'll come up to me and they'll say, do you interpret all those tongues that are given at your prayer meeting? And I say, no. And, and they say, see, you don't know how to do it. That's a type of, that's a type of tongue. And I'll tell you, I haven't heard anybody prophesy in tongues yet, but when you do, you will know it's different. You will get an anointing that is different. You even, even people that know me when I prophesied in tongues very rarely, and usually only in large groups, that's how it's happened to me, 
they would know that that's Joe, that's not Joe's regular tongue. And then you listen. And I'll tell you what, God gives the interpretation through someone else. So the first, it isn't the most important, but that prophecy is a way you can prophesy in tongues. And uh, some people get real carried away. And, you know, these things can be ruined real easily. You know, they, like I, one person told me one time, well, oh, uh, well, what does my tongue say? Well, it's not a prophetic tongue. You know, you, you just, this stuff doesn't, this is not anything we have control of. The second thing, the second kind of uh, uh, reason is praise. We praise in tongues. And uh, public or private, we praise in tongues. We just praise in tongues. We know it's, it's God's will because it's one of his gifts. And then they're speaking in other languages. Now, this kind of crosses over a little bit. Because there have been people in, in present day times who heard people speaking from another country and understood every word they said. But most of the time, it's from the apostolic times when the Holy Spirit came down at Pentecost and there was, I don't know how many different languages there and everybody could understand everybody. So that's an unusual, that's an unusual tongue. But... And again, I don't know why, but it seems like the more people are praising, the more of this uh, being able to uh, hear other people speak in tongues in your language comes about. It, it, I, I'm just telling you my experience. That's all I got to say. So why do we pray in tongues? I mentioned this already. To build yourself up and the church. So 1 Corinthians 14, 4 says, whoever speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but whoever prophesies builds up the church. And then 1 Corinthians 14, now I should like all of you to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. One who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets so that the church may be built up. So that's when when prophecy comes in, prof in prophetic tongues and then somebody interprets, it's really big. It's really mighty. It's really God is speaking. And I think God spoke to us very clearly tonight. A number of, a number of maybe all of them, all our prophecies. The Bible says, encourage each other daily. Where are you going to be with, where prophecy is being heard except right here? Now, you can go to other nice meetings and you can encourage each other, and you should. I'm not, and, I, and you know what? I'm not saying we got the whole picture. I'm just saying we got a good piece of the picture, okay, of what God wants to do here. So, praise and thanksgiving, 1 Corinthians 14, 13 through 19. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray to be able to interpret. So if we did begin to hear these interpretations, and I'm telling you this because I'm not going to live forever, when you, you will know, I'm going to tell you, you will know when somebody prophesies, and then you need to pray, Lord, give me the gift to interpret that so that we build up the church. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit is at prayer, but my mind is unproductive. 
So what is it to be done? I will pray with the Spirit, but I will also pray with my mind. I will sing praise with the Spirit, but I will also sing praise with my mind. Otherwise, if you pronounce a blessing with the Spirit, how shall one who holds the place of the uninstructed say amen to your thanksgiving, since he does not know what you are saying? Now this is out of 1 Corinthians 14. For you may be given thanks very well, but the other is not built up. I give thanks to God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. This is St. Paul. He speaks in tongues more than any of them. But in the church, I would rather speak five words with my mind so as to instruct others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. 1 Corinthians 14. So number four, tongues is a sign for unbelievers. Man, did you hear those guys? They were speaking in tongues. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? That's all over town, all over town. Did you hear that? They're speaking in tongues over the church. It must be the devil. I'm, I, now, I'm just going to tell you what they, you know what I mean? The devil hates praise and worship. He hates speaking in tongues. So 1 Corinthians 14, 22, thus tongues are a sign not for those who believe, but for unbelievers, whereas prophecy is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. So that kind of clarifies that a little bit. So we'll look at tongues historically. Anytime you read about a life of the saint and they say the word mystical jubilation, you can pretty be sure it's a charismatic. They don't use that word throughout the Bible and even in history. They, uh, you know, and, and in, in hist historically speaking, they called singing in tongues. They didn't call it singing in tongues. They said singing in jubilation. Now, jubilation is total glory. Woo! And that's what it should be. It should be. Total glory. Hallelujah. And it's also called glossialia, which I told you. Uh, and I told you when you hear the word mystic, all these saints who were mystics, St. Teresa of Avalon, and I'm not going to go through, there, there's dozens and dozens, St. Francis, uh, you know, uh, there's just dozens of saints that they talked about, bilocated, healed people, uh, raised up, raised the dead, and that's another thing that this book said that Jan and I are reading right now about the apostles. Every one of the apostles raised people from the dead. Normal Christian living. I don't know what, you know, if, that, if God will let us uh, come to that again. I hope so. So, although charisms never disappeared from the life of the church. Now this, this quote here is from Mary Healy who was a teacher at Sacred Heart Seminary in Detroit. I want you to, I got two quotes of her and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop. Although charisms never disappeared from the life of the church, for a long time they were neglected in both theology and practice. If theologians mentioned the spiritual gifts at all, they viewed them as private endowments given by God for the benefit of the individual but not having any importance or value for the church. 
Gifts like prophecy, visions, words of knowledge, and healing were viewed as extraordinary mystical phenomenon that occur only in the lives of unusually prayerful people. They were not seen as necessary to the life of the church. Now, if you read things, I, I only have so much time tonight, but if you read things like from Pope uh, John Paul, St. Pope John Paul II, he says the gifts are absolutely essential for the church. This is the second, here's from the Second Vatican Council. This is from the Second Vatican Council. Charisms are not only legitimate, but also structurally necessary to the church. Mary Healy, but it is a quote directly from, uh, uh, from Vatican II. So again, I encourage you, pray for prophecy, pray for discernment of spirits, and pray for the gift of tongues so that you can learn the love that this can produce in us. Thank you. Hi everyone, I just wanted to let you know that I linked the um, book that Joe was referring to. He's referring to a book um, in his talk, and I linked it in the description box of the podcast. So wherever you're listening to, you can go to that specific episode and click on it, and it'll have the link um, for that book in case you want to buy it or you're interested in what, it's, what he's talking about. Um, enjoy the episode.